men and women coming to the light of the gospel, the gospel of Christ penetrating nations in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Father, we praise and bless the name of Jesus. Thank you that tonight we have the privilege of coming before your holy word. And we come humbly and respectfully before your word with expectation to receive from the excellent ministry of Jesus Christ. And I pray that everyone connected to the service tonight, revealed knowledge is granted. You, wherever you're watching the service, wherever you're listening to the sound of my voice, I decree that veils full of clarity comes by the word. Your people built up, equipped, edified, and Jesus glorified. We rejoice that by the end of the service tonight, we'll all be the better for it. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our feet together tonight. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and all of you that are connected to the broadcast tonight by way of Comfort FM and Excel FM. It's a great joy to have everybody connected. Grab a friend, a loved one, reach out to somebody, ask them to hook up to these channels and to hook up to these platforms so that they can be built up by the word of his grace. And we want to appreciate all our house centers and all our campuses around the world. We're so glad to have everybody hooked up tonight. Get ready. The word is going to build you up and you will never be the same again. Grab a notebook, a pen, and your Bible and you can be seated with your sweet smart self as we get into the word of his grace. Glory to God. It's still Soteria season 7. Soteria season 7 and we're still examining the legal and the vital work of salvation. The legal and the vital work of salvation. We're reading from Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4. Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Verse 4. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So from the scripture we just read, we've established that, you know, there are two things. The first one is the word spoken by angels and that word had a just recompense of reward for anybody who disobeyed that word. Talking about the law of Moses. Then he said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which came by the Lord? So the only way to escape the law of Moses is a salvation that came from the Lord. 
Now yesterday we stopped at somewhere in the course of our teaching and I'd like to take off from there again tonight. Now we established that um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 22, let's read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse number 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. As in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So we establish that Adam is a race. Adam is the race. And then in Christ is another race. All right, The race where all are made alive. Adam, the race where all die. So Jesus now comes in Romans chapter 5. Let's read verse 15 together. Romans chapter 5 verse number 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. Verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, and so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses, Unto justification. So the judgment was unseen. If you notice. Look at verse 17 of the same Romans chapter 5. The judgment was unseen. For if by one man's offense. Death reigned by one. One man's offense. Death reigned by one. Much more. They which receive abundance of grace. And of the gift of righteousness. Shall reign in life by one. By one. Jesus Christ. One man's offense death reigned by one so the issue is in romans 5 12 because that issue is in humanity romans chapter 5 verse 12 wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned and yesterday i told you that was a proposal all right that was a proposal that reigned in one race and righteousness reigns in one race so death in one race and the, the progenitor of this race is adam and then righteousness reigns in one race and the progenitor of this race is christ jesus please pay attention so anybody found in that race is under death anybody found in the race of adam is under death he is a captive of death and he cannot help it because that is what the race offers. Adam was not to regenerate until he made that choice between life or death. And Adam made the choice for death. So death was not the generation. So Jesus also by obedience. The first man was by disobedience. The second man by obedience. The first man disobedience. Adam a race death reigned okay the second man jesus obedience righteousness reigns look at that romans chapter 5 verse 18 and 19 and i will explain something romans 5 18 and 19 therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto the justification of life this means that corporately adam's action put the race that is under him in death put that race in death 
And then corporately, Jesus' obedience put the race of Jesus to life. That's the best way I can explain it. Now, let's go to two terms used in the scriptures. Two terms. We have what we call the first Adam. Then we have what we call the second Adam and the last Adam. First Adam, second Adam, last Adam. In 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll read another minute, they don't mean exactly the same thing because the Bible is not careless with such words. First Adam, second Adam, and last Adam don't mean the same thing. There is no, there are no careless details in scripture. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 45. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. First Adam, living soul. Last Adam, a quickening spirit. Verse 47. 47. 1 Corinthians 15, 47. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Now why did he change it? Look at Romans again, chapter 5, verse 14. Romans chapter 5, verse number 14. Nevertheless, that reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. The figure of him that is to come, which means Adam himself was a figure. Remember, we're dealing with Adam as a person and Adam as a race. Don't forget that. Adam as a person and Adam as a function. So when you use the term first Adam, then you also use another term second Adam. So second Adam involves the first Adam. Second Adam involves the first Adam. That is, when Jesus is called the second Adam, it is because he is the second Adam for the first Adam. Jesus is called the second Adam for the first Adam. That is the man for whom he is the Adam. That is the kind. The mankind will be in the first Adam. And Jesus is the second Adam for the first Adam. When he referred to Jesus as the last, it is definitely to tell you of a full and final walk. A full and final walk. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse number 17. Therefore, if any man in Christ, a new creature, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Behold, all things are become new. So Christ is the last Adam. So if any man be in man, if any man be in man. That's what he's saying. The new creation is a man after the order of the second and last Adam. The new creation is a man after the order of the second Adam and the last Adam. The last Adam refers to the best. The last Adam refers to the fulfillment. The last Adam refers to the finality. The last Adam refers to the best, the fulfillment, and the finality. 
That's why he is called the figure of him that was to come. Means there is a first and a last. First Adam, last Adam, second Adam for the first Adam. Alright? Second Adam for the first Adam. So him being the second Adam refers to his redemptive work for the first Adam. It refers to his redemptive work for the first Adam. So second Adam is the redemptive work for the first Adam. When he was referred to as the last Adam, last Adam to the first Adam. He is the last Adam to the first Adam. Meaning after the last Adam, there will be no other Adam. He is the last Adam for the first Adam. The first Adam was of the earth earthy. The second Adam is the Lord from heaven. So, the last Adam is for the first Adam. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 49, please pay attention. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We shall also bear the image of of the heavenly that the things of the earth were made in the shadow of heavenly things that the things of the earth were made in the shadow of heavenly things so the first adam points to the last the first adam point to a last adam a last adam and this last adam is the final one the last Adam is the fulfillment. That's the pattern in scripture. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. So the first Adam points to the last Adam. Please pay attention. The first and second Adam refers to the redemptive work. Because the reason for the second Adam is to redeem the first Adam. So both the first and the second Adam refers to the redemptive work of Christ. Last means that this one was created in the image of this one. This one was created in the image of this one. Look at Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. You will see what I'm saying here. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in this last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, by whom also in these last days, in these last days, finality, the best, fulfillment, in these last days, first and last refers to sequence, First and last refers to sequence. First and second refers to order. First and last sequence. First and second order. He made the first old that he may establish the second order. First and last sequence. Please stay with me. So the second is restorative. The second is restorative. So now... This is something that, that, you know, that troubles a lot of people. It troubles a lot of people. Yet, man was not left without a choice. 
man was not left without a choice in all of this divine plan, divine pattern, and divine orchestrations, man had a choice. From Adam to Moses, and from Moses to Malachi, man had a choice. What is called man, what is called man is that that creation of God that has a choice. Man is that creation of God that has a choice. So from the very garden of Eden, man was given a choice. When he left Eden, he was given a choice. Even though God covered him, he still had a choice. Pay attention. Cain and Abel were given a choice. Down to Noah, Enoch, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them had a choice. That is why Hebrews chapter 11 now begins to line up the people that made a choice to believe the word of God. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, you will see the way the writer of Hebrews puts it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Next verse. For by it the elders obtain good report. Next verse. Through faith we understand that the walls... The walls were framed by the word of God. So the world of Abel, the world of Noah, the world of Abraham was framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Look up to me everybody. Things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So their walls were framed. That is the connection between one world and the other world was the word of God. Framed by the word of God or framed by what God promised to do in raising Jesus from the dead. Please stay with me. Alright. So things were framed by the word of God. Through faith, the elders obtained good report. God spoke to them. God spoke to Abel. Abel made the right choice. Abel received the word of God. What does the word of God do? It brings faith. So when Abel had the word, he believed it by faith. He was righteous. Noah had the word, he believed it by faith. He was righteous. Enoch had the word, he believed it by faith. He was righteous. So the book of Hebrews 11 is a chronicles of men in different times who had the same word, believed the same word, and came into faith, and that faith framed their walls. That faith framed their walls. What does the word of God do again? It brings faith. So that faith was a decision. That was the choice. You decide to receive the faith of God. It's not like man didn't have a choice. God just forced man. No. Man had the choice to make. And the choices they made framed their walls. That's why Jesus himself had to make a choice. Yeah, I paused there a bit. Jesus himself had to make a choice. It was not automatic. He felt the pain on the way to the cross. Otherwise, it would have been programming. He had to make the choice. It wasn't by force. He chose to die. It wasn't compulsory. It was a choice he made. He felt the pains. He was beaten. He cried. He fell. He was tired. I mean, he felt he went through it all. But by choice, he decided to die. You know, Jesus cried because he was a man. That's why his act was called obedience. 
he obeyed because he had the choice to have said no. He obeyed. It's called obedience. How many of you know that your car does not obey you? Your car does not obey because your car is a robot. It is designed to do what it does. You know, it is designed to do what it does. But even animals can disobey you. You grab a goat and you pull the goat. If you are not careful, the goat will pull you to its own direction. Because they have a will. They, they can make their choice. Are you still in the building? Are you still in the bu building? So Jesus was a man. Man is a man. Man has desires. That's why Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are. Yet without sin. Why? He was a man. So man had a choice from Genesis to Malachi. Rahab, you know, demonstrated it. She made the choice. The children of Israel, you know, they didn't make the choice for faith. They didn't. They rejected, they rejected faith. Bible says Moses called them a children in whom there is no faith. Of forward generation. You know, also in John chapter 1, he came to his own. His own made the choice to reject him. They received him not. Alright? So, that's important. That's what we call the Genesis principle. It is called the Genesis principle. Adam, 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 Adam. Whichever Adam you are in, you are given a choice. Whether Adam in Christ or Adam in Adam. In Christ too, you have a choice to grow spiritually. After you are born again, you don't grow spiritually automatically. You grow spiritually by choice. You deliberately sit down. Sometimes you are not in the mood for it. You sit down. You get a pen. You get a book. You get your Bible. You sit down and you make notes. And you learn. And when I am done with you, you study. Because you want to grow. You want to mature. You want to grow. It's choice. It's not by force. There are a lot of believers who are ignoramuses. Who are in ignorance. They don't want to learn. They don't want to grow. It doesn't mean they are not saved. They are saved, but they cannot experience the victory that is theirs in Christ Jesus. They cannot function in their realities. So they are born again, but they are suffering from identity crisis. They are oppressed by the devil. They are living a life of defeat and a life of shame and embarrassment. They are wallowing in guilt and condemnation and sin consciousness because they refuse to make the choice to grow. It is spiritual growth that brings you to a place where you enjoy what Christ has provided. Look at what brother Paul says to Philemon. That the communication of your faith may become effectual when you acknowledge the good things that are in you in Christ Jesus. If you refuse to acknowledge them, well, you will suffer endless sorrows even though you are born again. But God wants us to live a life of victory. God wants us to live a life of triumph. A life of victory in this world and enjoy the fullness of God. But that only becomes a reality when we accept the responsibility for spiritual growth. Am I communicating at all? So spiritual growth is a choice. Very important. So we are looking at the choice in humanity. And that choice was to receive the faith of God, which many people did in Hebrews chapter 11. And Jesus is the author and finisher of faith. That word of God. Faith comes by that word. So the question now is, we started with that yesterday. Where does Satan come in here? Where does Satan come in here in the scheme of things that has to do with the plan of God? Where does Satan come in? The simple history is this. Please listen carefully. Satan's sin 
is in Adam's transgressions. Satan's sin is in Adam's transgression. Satan didn't bring sin. Satan didn't bring sin. Sin was brought by Adam. Sin was brought by Adam. Satan's sin is in Adam's transgression. Satan's sin is in Adam's transgression. So the judgment of God was on sin. The judgment of God was on sin. So Satan was judged in sin. Satan was judged in sin. But redemption is for man. Redemption is not for sin. Redemption is not for Satan. Redemption is for man. But Satan, Satan was trapped in Adam's transgression. That is why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 16. Look at it. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 16. Please pay attention. Hebrews, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Because redemption is not for angels. Redemption is for man. Angels are to minister to man. Angels were created for man. Why? Because man is God's masterpiece. Man is God's masterpiece. Not angels. Angels were created for man. So there's no way he could have died for an angel. There's no way Jesus could have died for an angel. Because angels are man's servant. But man is God's masterpiece. So Satan's dominion over man was because of man's state. Please listen carefully. Satan's dominion over man was because of man's state. The state of man. Alright? It was not that Satan had power. Listen carefully. It was not that Satan had power. I repeat. It was not that Satan had power. He didn't have any power. He didn't bring any power from anywhere. He didn't originate power. He's not a creator. He didn't create power. So Satan didn't have any power. So therefore, redemption took care of Satan vicariously. Redemption took care of Satan vicariously. Remember, I explained what vicarious responsibility or liability is. That is, redemption took care of Satan in a vicarious manner. I will say this. Even Satan did not know the import of man's fall until after a long time. Even Satan did not realize the import, the impact, the depth of the fall of man until after a long time. And I will tell you how long that time was. He didn't know the import of man's fall until the law came. It was the law of Moses that exposed to Satan the extent to which man had fallen. He just kept living long and living long because Satan also needs to be taught by man. Man is Satan's teacher. Satan is ignorant. It is only what man teaches Satan that Satan gets to know. It is only by man that Satan is informed or educated. Adam couldn't help it. When he gave birth to a son, he called that son Seth, which means mortality. 
Now, mortality or subject to death. He called him Seth, which means frail, mortal, subject to death. Now, you know, Adam couldn't help it. Even Satan didn't know who Cain was. It took the Bible to let us know Cain was of the evil one. Cain was of the evil one. And Satan's hatred is for man. Satan's hatred is not for God. You know, sometimes you hear people say Satan fought God. How can you even think like that? How can you even think like that? That Satan fought God? Who is Satan? Fought God? How can you even think like that? Satan's object of hatred was man. Satan's target was man. Satan was after man. His hatred is for man. It's not for God. But the truth is, vicariously also, if you hate man, you hate God. Vicariously. If you hate man, you hate God. Look at 1 John chapter 3 verse 18. Pay attention. 1 John chapter 3 verse 18. I mean verse 8. 1 John 3 8. 1 John 3 8. He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil seen it from the beginning. From the beginning. From the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now some people say, but Dr. Damina, you say God does not kill and God does not destroy. What do, why did he destroy the works of the devil? Again, the Bible is not an English book. You must be careful. When you see the word destroy, it doesn't mean destroy. The word destroy means that he rendered the devil inactive. That Jesus made the devil inactive. That's what it means. Next verse. Give me the next verse now. Destroy the works of the devil. First John 3, 8, 9 now. Whoever, whosoever is born of God, doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Next verse. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not, doth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Verse 11. For this is the message that you had from the beginning. That we should love one another. Verse 12. Not as Cain who was of that wicked one. It took the Bible to reveal that to us. Not as Cain who was of that wicked one. And slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him because his own works were evil and his brothers righteous. He was of the wicked one. So how did he become of the wicked one? You know that God told Cain in Genesis chapter 4 that sin lieth at his door. Sin lieth at his door. That means Cain did not receive the word of God. Cain did not receive the word of God. Abel did. And Abel was righteous. Cain rejected and Cain was of the wicked one. Abel was called of faith. Abel by faith. Cain was of the wicked one. What made it different was the word of God. The same word given to Abel was given to Cain. Cain rejected the word and became of the wicked one. Abel received the word and became by faith. Became a man of faith in Christ. That shows you that it was man that moved from God. 
God never moved from man. God has never separated himself from man. I repeat, God has never separated himself from man. God has never moved away from man. Watch, 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God is manifested that he may destroy the works of the devil, the works of Satan. In this instance, he was referring to sin. He points out hatred, hatred, hatred. Look at Hebrews 2.14, quickly. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. For as much then are the children at partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, glory to God, he might destroy him that had. If your Bible is mine, I will underline had. That had. The power of death, that is the devil. Not that has, but that had. So Satan had the power of death. But through death, Jesus destroyed him. That had the power of death, which is the devil. Question, is it physical death? No. Spiritual death, which results in physical death. That was the issue. The issue was spiritual death. What gave the devil the right over man was the separation. Man left God so Satan could get take advantage of man. That spiritual death was what gave Satan the advantage. Please pay attention. That spiritual death was what gave Satan the advantage. In even the devil, it was the devil's words that Adam received. The devil's words. Why? It was the devil's word. The devil spoke. Adam received the devil's words. And by those words, Adam was separated. So how did he handle Satan? Two things. Number one, Jesus said he will deliver them. Number one, Hebrews 2.14. He will deliver them. Number two, he tested death for every man. Number one, he will deliver them. Number two, he tested death for everybody. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9, put it up for me. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Next verse. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus. Look at Hebrews again, chapter 2, verse 14, and see how Jesus made the devil useless. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise himself took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil. If you understand that verse of scripture, you will no more make the devil a prayer point. Through death, he destroyed him that had. Now, think about it. He took over the domain Satan had. 
sin entered the world and death by sin. So in the realm of spiritual death, the one who rules there is Satan. In the realm of spiritual death, in the realm of spiritual separation from God, the ruler in that realm is Satan. The ruler in that realm is Satan. But Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. Glory to God. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. I'm enjoying this. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. How did Jesus destroy him that had the power of death? He destroyed him that had the power of death by death. He destroyed him, Satan, by death. So it took death to destroy death. It took death to destroy death. Please stay with me. Where is, where is it? Verse 14. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. Hebrews 2 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So how did Jesus destroy death? He destroyed death by death. Death by death. So look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Pay attention. But God commended his love toward us. In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That dying was the destruction of him that had the power of death, which is the devil. Are you still in the building? Give me verse 9. Verse 9. Oh, glory to God. Much more than glory. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We are saved from wrath through him. Give me verse 10. Now watch what happens in verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How were we reconciled? By the death. What destroyed death? The death. So the death destroyed death and the death provided reconciliation. And in that reconciliation, Satan lost his power over man. In that reconciliation, because what gave the devil authority over man was spiritual death. Now Jesus, by death, destroyed death and reconciled man, making the devil impotent. Glory to God. Oh, I say glory. I say glory. Making the devil impotent. Put it up again, Romans 5.10 now. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. By whom we have now received the atonement. Please pay attention now. So there was a separation. That separation is what the death of Jesus destroyed. The death of Jesus was for that separation. And that destruction was to put that separation out of use. We now have a reconciliation. 
We now have a reconciliation. The death of Jesus put an end to separation and gave us a reconciliation. Are you still in the building? So that, that reconciliation is what dealt with Satan. You see, as God sought for that reconciliation through Jesus, he now vicariously dealt with Satan, whose only power was separation. The only power that Satan had over man was separation. Outside of separation, Satan has nothing. Remember, Satan is not the author of sin. Sin came by man and death by sin. But Satan was caught up in man's sin and destroyed with that sin by the death of Christ. When Christ died, he destroyed sin and death and Satan. Because Satan slipped in through sin and death and reigned using sin and death. So Jesus, by death, destroyed death, destroyed sin, and stripped the devil of sin and death, making the devil useless, impotent, and ineffective. Is it getting clear? The weapons of the devil was sin and death. Jesus, by death, rendered sin and death useless. So the devil has no more power. Satan's power was separation. He had no other power than that separation that man had from God. So Jesus destroyed Satan by separation. He paid for our sins by separation. He paid for our sins by separation. So Jesus destroyed him. Jesus dealt with Satan. The only way he will deal with Satan is to break that authority that Satan had over man. To break it. And the authority was sin and death. So Jesus by death broke that authority. It was broken by the death of Jesus. So in seeking for that reconciliation through Jesus, vicariously with it, he sorted out Satan's dominion. With that reconciliation, vicariously, he took care of Satan's dominion. Are we in the building? Yeah, he took care of it. Vicariously. Now, that's why Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 now confidently, brother Paul will say, Colossians 1 12 Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Partakers, partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Next verse. Who hath delivered, uh, delivered us from the power of darkness. From the power of darkness. From the power of darkness. From the power... So the power only works in darkness. The power does not work in light. It's not the power of light. It's the power of darkness. It's not the rulers of the light of this world. It's the rulers of the darkness. Satan's domain and Satan's rule is only in darkness. And darkness is ignorance. And darkness is sin. And darkness is death. When a man comes into light, Satan has no hold over that man anymore. 
Because Satan does not rule in light. He rules in darkness. Are we here? Delivered us from the power of darkness. And has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, if you are not careful, if you follow what preachers have told us over the years past by, you will be thinking Nollywood. Jesus and Satan never met. <laughs> Jesus and Satan never met. It's not like Jesus went to Satan and said, Satan, what did you do to man? I have come to retaliate. No, such a thing never happened. It never happened. There was no such fight. There was no such drama. It never happened. Never. Jesus and Satan never met. Satan's power over man was vicariously because of sin and death, which man is the originator. So when Jesus destroyed sin and death that man produced, vicariously, since that was what gave Satan the right over man, in the destroying of sin and death, Satan was stripped of his dominion. It's not like Jesus and Satan met. Who dashed him? There was no such contact. They are not members of the same WhatsApp group. Never. There was no such connection. Never. Jesus and Satan never met. Are we still in the building here? Never. It's just that Jesus in dying destroyed death, destroyed sin, and vicariously sin and death was Satan's authority over man. In the destruction of sin and death, Satan was stripped. Totally stripped. Rendered impotent, naked. Rendered inactive, inoperative, where a believer is concerned. So for a believer to say they are charming me, you don't know who you are. You, who is charming who? Charm. That charm has not been born. No, that kabayadala. Somebody said they are taking my name to native doctor. Come, let me give you my full names with my handwriting. That native doctor is not born. That will speak incantations that will work on me. Do you know who I am? Nekatolaya. Zibatobeletekea. Nakorotosekea. Are you still in the building? Satan has been stripped where the believer is concerned. Satan has been demobilized. So it was the death of Jesus that brought reconciliation. And it was vicariously in that reconciliation that Satan's rulership was destroyed, which is man's separation. Which is man's separation. It's either you have the reconciliation or you are in the separation. It's either you have the reconciliation or you are in the separation. Now, via God's reconciliation in Christ Jesus, we came out of separation into reconciliation. We came out of separation into reconciliation. That is how Satan's dominion was broken because that dominion was only established because of separation. Man's choice to be separated from God. So, don't see a fight between Jesus and Satan. It never happened. Jesus simply died in our place. He simply died in our place. 
Amen. And we're going somewhere in the scriptures. In Luke 24, when Jesus rose from the dead and the disciples were lamenting. Oh, we thought he was the one that will. Oh, they were lamenting. Luke 24, 44. Quickly. Luke 24, 44. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Next verse. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Next verse. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Next verse, 47. Take note of the word suffer. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Notice, Jesus was with them, and he taught them, and their eyes were opened. Immediately he was through teaching, he led them to Bethany, lifted up his hand, blessed them, and he was captured into heaven. Luke captures what happened, and this happened in five hours. Luke told us in Acts chapter 1 verse 1, put it up, Acts 1, 1, 2, and 3, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Forty days. He spent forty days with them teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. And after forty days, they couldn't still capture everything he taught. Why did he teach them the kingdom of God? Because he taught them the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Why did he teach them the kingdom? Colossians 1.13 He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He showed them what happened when he died. He dealt with separation and provided reconciliation. He explained from the scriptures what happened from the cross to the throne. That was what he was explaining to them. A man like Peter was just telling Jesus, why will it happen to you? Be it far from you. Why will it happen to you? Peter couldn't even catch what Jesus was saying. Now, in Leviticus chapter 16, where we've been reading the last few days, the work of redemption took place between two people, the high priest and God, behind the scenes. The high priest will take the blood into the holiest of all. And it was a sober ceremony. Two goats, one sacrificial goat and a goat of escape, Released by a fit man. So the second goat was between the goat and man's separation. Between the goat and man's separation. The second goat, the goat of escape. Alright? Man's separation from God was taken care of by the goat of escape. God's judgment from sin. That is why the first goat is called Jehovah's own. So now look at Hebrews chapter 9. Notice this. Hebrews 9, 20 to 24. Pay attention. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 20 to 24. Saying, this is the blood of the testament 
which God had enjoined unto you. Next verse. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with this. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. So heaven also was cleansed. Man's place in heaven was cleansed. That's why the blood of Jesus in Hebrews 12, 24 is called the blood of sprinkling which refers to remission. Now blood in the Bible, when blood is shed, it signifies life. What God wants us to see in anything blood in scripture is life. So when Jesus took blood to heaven, it was life that he presented to heaven. He didn't carry a matter it was life that was presented to heaven. Listen carefully. It was a physical man that entered heaven. He told Mary, I go to my father, your father, my God, your God. I go. I go. Man went. That was when he went into heaven. The holy of holies. And you know, he came back the same day. He went into heaven and came back the same day. He was a human being. The blood, the blood was a human being, a person. And his going to heaven was to cleanse heaven for you. To make a new and living way. If you look at Leviticus 17, 11, it tells you that blood is life. And Acts 17, 26, blood refers to man. So blood is symbolic. Blood is symbolic of life. Now there's a golden question where I'm going to round up tonight and we take off from there tomorrow. We have seen the effect of what happened. But what exactly happened from the cross to the throne? What really happened? Exactly. From the cross to the throne. What exactly happened? Let's look at it intelligently in the next few minutes. We want to tread on some sacred grounds. We want to step on some grounds where angels fear to tread. And we want to step on some very sacred grounds. What we said is this. What happened on the cross? What really happened on that cross? And we will travel from that cross to the throne. First Peter 2.24. Let's start from there. First Peter chapter 2 verse 24. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24. Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. That was what happened on the cross. He bore our sins in his body. In his body on the tree. On the tree. Now, pay attention. Paul took it a little further. Second Corinthians 5.21 
Second Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be seen for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He made him to be seen. That is to assume our state of sin. Now notice God did not crucify Jesus. I'd like you to know that. God did not crucify Jesus. Man crucified Jesus. God did not crucify Jesus. Man crucified Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 8. Man crucified Jesus. First Corinthians 2 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So man crucified Jesus. Man crucified Jesus. Acts chapter 2 verse 36. Acts chapter 2 verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Man crucified Jesus. Now, what happened on the cross? Since man crucified Jesus, Galatians 3.13, Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the cause of the law, being made a cause for us. For it is written, cause is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That hangeth on a tree. So he was made a cause for us. He was made a cause for us. The word cause means an unholy thing. A, a despised thing. It is the opposite of a sacred thing. Jesus was made a cause. Remember, God didn't crucify Jesus. Man crucified Jesus. Alright? So let's see what the cross was like. What was the cross of Jesus like? Hebrews chapter 6 verse 6. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 6. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify the Son of to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So the cross is an open shame. The cross is an open shame. Why was the cross shame? Why was the cross shame? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the cross is a place of shame. So Jesus actually humbled himself. And it is called obedience. He obeyed to shame. Public shame. Jesus obeyed unto shame. And the cross was a symbol of shame. Look at Philippians, the last scripture for the night. Chapter 2 verse 8. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. 
and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The cross is an open shame. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. He took our cause on the tree. Ladies and gentlemen, if he took it, I don't have it. If he took it, I don't have it. That is why he that believeth shall never be ashamed. You can't believe in Jesus who took shame and you are in shame. Agama no katab. He took it, I don't have it. He became sin. I became the righteousness of God. He took my sin in his body. Today, I have his righteousness. Listen carefully. Jesus was literally united with sin. Jesus and sin were united. That is why there was a separation between the Father and Jesus. Because Jesus took your state of sin on your behalf. So that I and righteousness can be united. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody here. He was united with sin. So I can be united with righteousness. Jesus, by vicarious responsibility, in uniting with sin, dealt with Satan. So that I and God can be united today. He took shame. I take glory. He was rejected. I am accepted. He went to hell. I am in heaven. Stand on your feet. That's all I've got for you tonight. I thought somebody would shout hallelujah. I thought somebody would shout hallelujah. Lift your right hand and show me. I will never be ashamed. Because I believe in the work of Christ. Father, I pray for everybody in this building, everybody online, everybody on television, those on net, on social media, everybody listening on radio right now. In the name of Jesus, I command this revelation, this realities to rise big on your inside and dawn on you and dawn on your consciousness. And I command the victory that comes by the revelation of the finished work of Christ to consume your entire being. And in the name of Jesus, whatever is not planted by God is rooted out. Is rooted out. Is rooted out in the name of Jesus. And I declare for your people, great grace is upon you today. I decree that you swim in the victory that is yours in Christ Jesus. The enemy has lost completely in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. Glory. Amen. I tell you we continue from there tomorrow. But you don't want to go away. I'm connected with Mr. Bush. Who is already in the building tonight. So we can have a time and a blast. As we, you know, as, as we answer your questions and interact. For another few in, in another two or three minutes. But before I hand over to Mr. Bush, I'd like you to grab your offerings, everybody. We give in honor. We give in honor of what Christ has done. We give consciously. We give deliberately. We give, you know, out of a consciousness of the love that God has for us. And we do not give out of coercion. We give generously. His nature is in us. He gave his best. We give our best. 
So I'd like you to grab your offerings. If you're watching online, the banking details are there. And if you're in a location where there's no account that is relevant to you, shoot a mail to Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. We will send you an account that is relevant to your location. And those of you listening on radio, when I hand over to Mr. Bush, in another few minutes from now, he will give you the account so that you can send in your offerings for those listening on radio all over Aquaibom State. Lift up your offerings tonight in honor of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we honor you by lifting up holy hands with our offerings in, in, in consecration and with generosity and joy. We offer tonight and we thank you that our offerings are as an expression of our joy, our willingness, our honor and our responsibility in the advancement of the gospel, in the advancement of the message of Christ. Thank you for everybody connected and those giving tonight. My God supplies all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Every need of yours is met. Receive ideas, concepts, insights, and favors and relationships. Great grace is upon you today. Great grace is upon you today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says that amen like thunder. Glory to God. What a blessing tonight. Now listen to me. You don't want to miss the next session because you're switching over right now. Invite a friend. Invite somebody. It's going to be a time of questions and answers. And if you know people who have been bothering you with questions, ask them to, to call in right now. We're going to have a blast together. Hey guys, we love you. And I'll see you in the studio in the next few seconds. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service. Glory! Woo! Amen. Glory to God, I tell you. Thank you very much, um, Papa, joining me live any moment now. But I'd like to just welcome you to the studio studio. Papa is still in the church studio. He'll be here any moment. It's a very important day. Today we continue 30 Days of Glory right here at the international headquarters of Power City International. It's in the heart of Uyo, 